What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Prescribing Truth. I'm Jamal Bandy, and I seek to distribute the truth that the doctor prescribes to the church and the world today. You can watch this live on YouTube on Sundays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, or you can listen to this on various podcast apps, including iTunes, Stitch Radio, and Google Play. If you'd like to contact me, you can do so by calling me at 801-980-6333 or email me at prescribed.truth at gmail.com. On today's episode, which is episode 65. I am less than 40 episodes away from reaching episode number 100 since I've been doing podcasting. That's a blessing. On this episode, I want to discuss a topic that I've been sitting on for about uh, a few weeks now, just wanting to wrestle with it myself and think on it. And it's concerning worship. So I want to ask the question. I want to deal with the question of, can someone worship something unknowingly? Can you um, worship something or someone without knowledge of that thing or that person or what the case may be? So that's what I want to deal with. Now, I'm going to be offering the position that I believe, as what I see in the scriptures, that anytime someone is worshiping something, and, and listen, we're going to discuss what worship is and so on and so forth. But when someone is worshiping something or someone that they know that they are worshiping that thing or that person, um, no one stumbles into worship or worships accidentally. You know, you know what you're bowing to, you know what you're giving yourself over to, so on and so forth. All right. So that's that's the position that I'm holding to and that I'm offering uh, from what I see in the text. And I want to be able to. Uh, make the case and bring it before you guys. And so as always with prescribed truth, um, I do not uh, make myself to be that, that I know it all and that uh, my word is bond. I'm going by what I see in the scriptures and always open for correction and always open for conversation. All right. But always with gentleness and respect as that's what we're supposed to do. Let's, let's um, go on something real quick. I want to define worship. I feel like anytime we deal with stuff like this, we need to define terms. All right. What do we mean by worship? All right. And since we're talking about things according to the Bible, I think it's important that we define worship as the scripture defines worship. So as worship, according to the Bible and in the Greek is proskuneo, and it means it, you know, it can mean, or it's come from a meaning where it means to kiss and um, like a dog licks his master's hands so on and so forth. Um, then another definition is to fawn or crouch to, that is literally or figuratively prostrate oneself in homage or in, um, in other words, do reverence to or adore. And so that's what proskuneo is. Now, that's the word for worship in the Greek. Now, when we look at this word, this word is used of how we worship God, how we worship the son. And this is one of the things that's always making the argument as far as how we know that Jesus is God in the flesh and not just a mere man, because no one is due proskuneo. We're not allowed to proskuneo anyone other than God. All right. So when Jesus accepts proskuneo, we know that he is too is God. And we're told in scripture, to worship also the spirit that we know the spirit also is God. And so that's worship is due to no one, nothing 
but God. All right. And that word there is proskuneo. All right. So when I think about worship, I want to think about, especially concerning worship of other things, it has to be true that this is what's done to other things in order for us to be able to say that we are worshiping something. Now, I know the first thing that some people bring up as far as uh, is, is idols, you know, that we can have idols we're unaware of and so on and so forth. And that is true. But the things that we, the things that we make idols are not necessarily that we're worshiping in the moment, but we put before something. And now we're going to talk about that. I'm going to get into that. But the roots of all this is indeed worship, having reverence for something, adoring something in this way, um, uh, prostrating oneself in homage to something or someone. Um, so there, there entails, in order for you to bow, and we're not in, whether li literally or figuratively, because it does give the definition that it's literal or figuratively, to bow the knee to someone means that you know that you're doing that. There's a knowledge of the bowing on the knee. Um, you don't bow the knee accidentally to God. You may not bow the knee in truth, um, or even um, towards uh, other idols. You may bow the knee, whether figuratively or literally, to statues and pillars and so on and so forth. But that's what you're doing, and that you're doing an act of worship. The next word I wanted to get into as far as defining is idolatry. The Bible speaks of idolatry. Now, idolatry entails worship, but it's worship of an image. And the image can be a statue or anything else, but it's, it's worship of something. And I, image there is implied, but it's basically something that you can put forth this, this worship towards, whether it be an image, whether it be a statue, whether it be a thing, something that you are worshiping that's I, that's idolatry worship towards that thing all right and an idol is an object of worship an image the implication a heathen god or plural the worship of such something that is an idol all right but all of this at the root of it is worship why did i feel like this was an important topic to deal with well it's two things you can look at this as far as the sense that some people say or claim that they worship God, yet it doesn't show that they're truly worshiping God, right? It doesn't really show as far as what worship entails. And then there's, there's people who may worship other things. And so is it true that they're actually worshiping these things? Is it true that people are actually worshiping God? I think about like <laughs> scripture tells us how God uh, got on Israel and told them that when they go take over the land that are, that's pagan lands and they know that those people served other gods, they, God says, don't worship me in that way. Don't go into that land and, and say to yourself, hmm, let me inquire of how they worship their gods so that I can do the same things for my God. And God says, don't worship me in this way. And I want to look at that too, because it's interesting why God said don't worship him in that way. All right. But it's what I want to, but before I get into all that, I'm trying not to jump the gun here, but it's, I want to define those terms. What is worship? And God, I know some people will say that because you're not bowing the knee, because you're not um, lying prostrate on the floor or any of that, or lifting your hands to something that that would, 
that will mean that you're worshiping or not worshiping. But it's not. I mean, you can you can adore something without lifting your hands. You can adore something without laying prostrate on the floor. Um, I, th I think that's one of the reasons, again, why the definition said literally or figuratively. What did God say concerning how not to worship him from pagan practices? And a scripture that I want to look at was Deuteronomy 12, 29 through 32. So Deuteronomy 12, um, 29 st starts. When the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations whom you go in to dispossess and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, take care that you do not be ensnared to follow them after they have been destroyed before you and that you do not inquire about their gods saying, how did these nations serve their gods that I also may do the same? You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way for every abominable thing that the Lord hates, they have done for their gods for they even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. Everything that I command you, you shall be careful to do. You should not add to it or take from it. Now, I thought this was interesting concerning how God tells them not to take from how these um, pagan countries or pagan peoples worship their gods. He says that every abominable thing that the Lord hates, they have done for their gods. And I thought about that. I'm, I'm thinking about this, guys, and I'm reading this. I'm like, so what, is the, what are the things that God hates that he tells his people you, that are completely evil, yet these other, these other people, these other pagans, they do it? Well, he, they, he named one specifically, and that was the sacrificing of their sons and their daughters. We know that was one of the, um, their, one of the uh, Old Testament gods that brought up was Molech, how people sacrifice their sons and their daughters to Molech. You know, and that's present day abortion. I mean, that's what people are doing now with abortion. But what are the uh, other abominable things? Now, I'm gonna be fair. I'm gonna be fair with you guys that this, I'm thinking about this stuff when it comes to those who would say that when you celebrate Christmas or Easter or any of those things that you are worshiping those same gods that people worship, that you are performing those same rituals to their gods. And I'm, and I'm thinking about, okay, this will be something like that. I mean, I mean, they would be going to, they would look, they were, they're looking at pagan people who are worshiping a pagan God and doing rituals and doing things for their gods. And yet God says, well, what they're doing for their gods, don't go and inquire and say, well, let me see what they did for their gods that I may do the same for my own. But it wasn't just that. The reason behind it was that for every, because he says in verse, 20, in verse 31, you shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abominable thing that the Lord hates, they have done for their gods. So it's not just that any, every little thing that they've done for their gods, there are specific things that these people have done in worship to their gods that the people of Israel are told, you do not do those things because that is not how you worship me. I hate those things. I hate those things. 
we know a lot of pagan practices would uh, they will perform orgies and the such and you know um idol worship they will build statues and worship to their gods in this way and so on and so forth but all these things god had already told israel that he found evil and detestable not to do them and so if they go and inquire and say well hmm, how did they worship their gods let me do the same this is what god is speaking about for every abominable thing that the lord hates they have done for their gods and then gives the example of burning their children which is evil right it's evil that goes against the moral code as i'm working through this and i'm looking at these texts i'm saying that man okay there is a there is something about how they worship their gods that is evil in the in sight of the lord and it's not necessarily uh, well, i'm gonna say not necessarily yeah yeah that's true not necessarily in the things or what they do but is that the things that they do are they evil to god not every single thing is counted as something that god hates but there are things that god said that he does hate and that these people do to their gods and so as i'm as i'm thinking about this i'm thinking about christmas i'm thinking about easter and so on and so forth and i'm thinking does god hate the giving of gifts no i mean we can be fair about that no but can giving gifts be evil can it be and it's kind of going into my next point a little bit i'm, I'm just going to ride this for a little bit it's kind of going into my next point can can it be evil to give a gift can it be evil to sing a song i mean can it be what it boils down to is the intent you think about um the example that god gave in deuteronomy 12 how they sacrificed their sons and their daughters to these false gods right well whether your intent you can't say nowhere that your intent is good because you're murdering you're killing your child sacrificing them to an idol all right so god already said that should not kill all right so the fact that you say you're killing for the sake of god is an abomination all right because god already says he hates these things he hates iniquity um the orgies the having sex slaves and so on and so forth what they would do um as they in their rituals and how they would practice their worship towards their false gods well these things god hates i mean he told israel you know uh that fornication is sin is evil before the lord is iniquity so now you're having mass fornication you know claiming that to be for the worship of god in their ritual so i'm thinking about christmas and everything else i'm like is it sin i mean is that is that is that something that god hates is that is that detestable before the lord to give a gift is it detestable before the lord to put up a tree in and of themselves because once, once again we are defined what worship is worship in and of itself is to adore to give reverence to something and idolatry is worshiping something in the image or some kind of graven image a statue or something there entails knowledge that you are worshiping it all right and so is it evil is those something that god hates um take easter for instance is it is it something that god hates that to um hide plastic eggs with candy in them for kids to go and chase and grab is it is it something that god hates now you'll say well people did certain things for other gods right i don't well i mean technically we do the history they didn't 
they didn't take plastic eggs and do that, but it's all symbolism. I'm, I'm not trying to go down that, that rabbit hole there. But is that something that God hates? Singing songs. We know that singing songs in and of itself isn't evil, but the content is what shows where the worship goes to, is pointed to. You could even talk about the melody, but what makes a melody evil? You know, what makes a melody evil? It's the content. It's what's being said. What is worship being pointed to? But that would entail knowledge. This whole point of this podcast, just, rem just reminding, is can someone worship something without knowing? Can you worship something without knowing? All right, so before I get into my next point, real quick, I want to acknowledge a brand new patron of Prescribed Truth, Mickey Mania. That's his, that's his YouTube name. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank you so much for your contribution to Prescribed Truth. And for those of you who do already give to Prescribed Truth, I really greatly appreciate you guys. If you'd like to support Prescribed Truth, you can do so by joining me on Patreon. For only a dollar a month, you'll receive access to Patreon-only content, receive discounts on merchandise, take part in the Discord after show hangouts, which now, I gotta change this because now it's weekly hangouts. You just try to do a hangout, just a Google hangouts. So it's not necessarily after the show, somewhere during a week and more. Those who sign on at the $5 tier will receive a Prescribed Truth mug. Thank you in advance for your support. Join today at www.patreon.com forward slash prescribed truth. Now I do want to, real quick, want to bring up Deuteronomy 12, 4. Let me see. It was interesting. All right. So Deuteronomy 12, 1 starts off. It says, these are the statutes and rules that you should be careful to do in the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers has given you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall surely destroy all the places where the nations whom you shall dispossess serve their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under their and under every green tree. You shall tear down their altars and dash in pieces their pillars and burn their ashram with fire. You shall chop down the carved images of their gods and destroy their name out of that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. How did they worship him? So the thing about like people, we know like they built, so they built altars to their God, yet God, you know, he, he allowed for people to build altars to him, you know? So that wasn't one of the ways that God was saying, now don't worship me in that way because he allowed that. But these pillars and their ashram, their carved images, all these things God already said, he considered, he, uh, he considered to be evil. And so he said, don't do them. But he never told his people not to build an altar for him. I mean, he actually welcomed that. But he told them to tear down their altars for their gods. They had knowledge of it. it they were intentionally worshiping something. And that's the point. Can we worship something unintentionally? I don't think we can. I don't think we can stumble into worship of something. Either we're worshiping something or we aren't. Just like concerning God, either we worship God or we don't. So um, an example of this, I want to pull, pull from um, Exodus, the Old Testament. I want to look at real quick the passage dealing with the golden calf. Now, I'm sorry if this may take a little bit. I want to read through this. So I want you to see uh, where I'm coming from here. And, uh, and I want to give this context, all right? So we know uh, we're gonna, it's going to mention it in here, but this is where Moses, he is up on the mountain. He's hearing from the Lord. He's gone for a long period of time, and the people are losing patience. You know, they don't know what to do. They're losing their minds. And it shows. And so it starts off and it says, 
When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So very first thing we see here, they, there is intent. They said, make us gods, make us gods. All right. So they're not doing something that it ain't just that they made an image, but they're making an image for a reason. Make us gods. So Aaron's verse two. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. All right. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, now the people said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now they knew that it was Yahweh who brought them out. But what they did is that they made an image and called it Yahweh. They called it Yahweh. They, they referred to this as their God. That is the Lord. This, verse, verse five says, when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be the feast to the Lord. And that word for Lord, there is Yahweh. And so they made this calf knowing the intent was to worship it, to worship it and call it Yahweh. All right. They wanted it to worship. They wanted it to worship Yahweh because they didn't know what happened to Moses. They didn't know what was going to happen to them. They were panicking. They didn't have faith. This is what happened. And they fashioned it this golden calf and they rose up early to eat i mean i'm sorry rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play so now they did these things in worship to this calf this image the next day they, they burnt offerings they made sacrifices then they ate and drank and they rose up to play so eating and drinking isn't simple in itself. Playing isn't simple in itself, but they were doing it in worship to this calf that God, God has already told them, like, look, you do not like, look, you don't, you don't fashion it to that to me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't do that, but it's what they did. And Lord God said to Moses, go down to your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt. Um, he's what he said, I'm sorry. And the Lord said to Moses, go down for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. And he says, how they have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshiped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord, your God, and the Lord God said to Moses, I have seen this people and behold, it is a stiff necked people. It says, now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn, not, um, I'm sorry, burn hot against them, and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent, did he bring them out to kill them in the mountain? I mean, in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth, turn from your burning anger and relent from this, this uh, from this disaster against your people. And he goes on, he still implores them. Uh, verse 13, I mean, verse 14 says, and the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. 
Uh, Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, tablets that were written on both sides, on the front and on the back. They were written. The tablets were the work of God, and the writings was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. Um, it says, when Joshua heard the noise of the people, as they were shouting, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the sound of shouting for victory or the, or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. As soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. Now, real quick, <laughs> side note, as I read this, did God command Moses to do that? No, he didn't tell him to go make the people drink it. That's not, at least that's not what we see here. You know, Moses went down out of anger. What he did, he broke that thing down, made it in a powder, and made them drink it. Moses was gangster, y'all. Can you imagine him going to every person, every single one of them, and making them drink that water that's, that's mixed with gold and silver? And Moses said to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? And Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord burn hot, but know the people that they are set on evil. For they said to me, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who, uh, who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So I said to them, let any of you have gold, take it off. So they gave it to me and I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. And when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, who is on the Lord's side? Come to me and, the son, and all the sons of Levi gathered around him. And it goes on from there saying the son of Levi went out and they started taking folks out because they sinned in this way against the Lord. So we see their intent. Now, I'm sorry if that was a little long for you guys and that bored some of you guys' patience. But I wanted to read all that and give it context. This was intent. There was intent here. They knew they were worshiping something. They knew it. All right. They knew they were worshiping this calf. It wasn't something that was like, oh, I'm just doing something. I'm just having fun. Like it wasn't that they were just singing songs and, and playing out of the blue and just and drinking and eating and having a good time out of the blue. They were doing all this knowing that it was worshiping this calf that they deemed to be the one who freed them out of Egypt. All right. And so that's the test. So once again, worship, it entails intent. There is intent. And so... That's why I find it very hard when someone says things like, when you celebrate Easter or you celebrate Christmas, then you are worshiping the gods that people worship centuries ago who did such, who may have given gifts on this day or um, had eggs on this day or the case may be. It's like, I find it very hard because there, there needs to be intent. You don't worship something. You don't stumble into worship. So like, for instance, this would be an evil thing. Why? Like, is fashioning a calf out of gold was evil because it was it was done to worship it, to worship it. And that's I mean, what is it? What is it? God's commandment says that like, you, you should not make up make an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or, or anything. You should not make an image, a graven image of anything. And we know the intent is to worship it. And God says, don't do it. Yet they did it. Making the golden calf. I want to pull some other verses that was just dealing with worship. I just want to show how there's intent when it comes to worship. There's knowledge. 
let's see jeremiah 13 10 this is also you know all this is just scriptures guys it's not given context but this is scriptures this evil people who refuse to hear my words who stubbornly follow their own heart and have gone after other gods to serve them and worship them shall be like this loincloth which is good for nothing so we see there are people who turn from the lord into serving other gods but there's a knowledge of it there's an intent of it they knowingly turn from the lord and serve other gods israel fell into this mess over and over again this is one of the things that got them caught into babylon this is one of the things that got um, uh, Solomon messed up, is that he turned to other gods. It wasn't like he was um, doing these things unknowingly. He knew what he was doing was wrong. You know, whether he whether he had the conviction of it or not, that's another thing. But he knew it was wrong. He shouldn't have been doing it. Oh, yeah, I want to. Oh, I want to bring this up. So in Daniel, dealing with Nebuchadnezzar and his and his image, his giant image that he wanted people to worship. Check this out. So Deuteronomy 3, I'm not Deuteronomy, Daniel chapter 3, verse 12. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So Nebuchadnezzar wanted the people to worship this image of him. They wanted them to worship him. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true? O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up. Now, if you are, yeah, now if you are ready, will you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made? Well and good, but if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? I was just like, hmm. I thought I, I just thought it was interesting. That there must be intent. Even with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's like refusal to worship this image, they would have known if they did. And everybody in that city, in that town, they knew what they was worshiping if they did bow down and worship that image. It was that would be intent. And so they knew, hey, I'm not gonna do that. I serve the one and true God. And they, and they did that even at the risk of their lives. And that served as a testimony to Nebuchadnezzar. Now, another thing that entails intent. Matthew 15, I want to look at Matthew 15. Talking about intent now. Now, there's a lot in Matthew 15. Um, but I want to just look at the first few verses. Um, probably go to verse 11. Yeah, verse 11. So we'll start at verse one. It says, then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? This, like, this does come into um, play when we're talking about um, certain holidays and stuff like that. It's like you're, like you're breaking the commandment of God for the sake of a tradition. But look at what the tradition is that God is calling the question of how they go about things. This is not all of how they do things, but this is part of it. He says, for God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. So what you clearly have here is God saying, honor your father and your mother. Yet the scribes and, their, and Pharisees and scribes in their tradition have said, 
don't honor your father and your mother. So there is a clear, a clear contradiction of God's law. And so by their tradition, they're holding to this and they are disobeying God's law. And he says, you hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So these are things that God didn't command and say that you should do, that they are teaching it as doctrine, as this is something concrete. All right. So they're worshiping with their lips. They have a lot of lip service, but their heart is far from him. This would entail also intent. So what, what Jesus is accusing these Pharisees of is that they truly haven't worshiped God. Like they, they think they have, but they haven't worshiped God. But the key here is that these Pharisees and scribes, as they go in these temples, their intent is that they worship God. Jesus is pointing out to them that you may have be doing this with your lips, but your worship is wrong. You're worshiping God wrong. You don't even, you're not even truly worshiping him. And that's what he brings up. But then he says, and he called the people to him and said to them, hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard the saying? He answered, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides, and if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the, um, sorry, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. So what we see here is what comes from the heart is intent. These are things that we think in ourselves that we know what we're doing. We know that we have evil thoughts. We know when we have murderous intent, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander, these things proceed from us. And so if it comes out of our mouths and we speak these things, if it, if it shows in our actions, then we know it comes from what was, in, was, uh, what was within. So there's no accident there. There's no accident. All right. And so um, the next one I want to bring up real quick. So um, John chapter four, and I'm going to read, I'm starting at verse 20. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. And this is um, dealing with the, uh, the Samaritan woman. No, yeah, was it a Samaritan woman? Yeah. And the, the woman at the well, he says, there, uh, she was saying how her fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. So keep this in mind. This is not saying that when they're worshiping that they don't know who they're worshiping, but he's talking about the depth of it. They don't know what they're worshiping. They, they don't know that there's not a true relationship here. And this is, what he, this is what he's getting at. But when they're worshiping on that mountain, they are well aware that they are worshiping someone. They are well aware of it. All right, it says, then he says, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth. For the father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him 
must worship in spirit and truth. So that we can make a case that somebody can truly be worshiping God and not truly be worshiping God and so on and so forth, right? But the key here is that when we know concerning worship is that there is intent. You know that you're worshiping something. You may, you may think you're worshiping God because you're meaning to worship God, but you're truly not worshiping God according to how he has said to worship him. So that's one thing, all right? But when you know if you're serving something else, now, what does this mean concerning idols in our own hearts? All right, because, you know, we do have idols in our hearts. We can make things can become an idol. And how do, how do they become an idol? When we put them before God, all right? We put them before God. Um, so money, the Bible tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil. So money can become an idol, right? You are putting it before God. When God says how we shouldn't be, um, we shouldn't, uh, 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 um, I'm, I'm thinking of working 10. That's not the word I'm looking for. Covet. Dang. Thank you, Lord. When we covet, we covet some things. We covet things that are not our own. You know, that's where we're making an idol. And so at the root of all of our sin is idolatry. Let's just, be, let's just be real about it. The root of all of our sin is idolatry. God says that you shouldn't lie. But then when you tell a lie, not only have you sinned, but you served yourself. You then said, whatever I need is more important than what God has said. And so you've, you've served yourself, you made yourself an idol. And it's the same way as into what, how God got on the Israelites as far or warned them as far as how they shouldn't inquire of how others serve their gods. Because God said, the things that I hate, they do while serving their gods. So God hates lying. God hates when we fornicate, when we commit adultery, when we hate one another, so on and so forth. He hates these things, right? So if we say we if we say we're doing these things in worship to God, that's false. It's evil. It isn't truly worship. So I ask the question here. Once again, can someone truly worship God unknowingly? Can we think about this? I asked the question about something else. Hey, you worship something else unknowingly. Well, can someone worship God unknowingly? The answer is no. Because Jesus said, those that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. That would entail intellect. That would entail knowledge. So you can't, you can't stumble upon worship of God. Just, you know, just like you can't be serving Allah one day and then, and then trip up and say, oh, I'm serving Yahweh. And I'm serving Jesus. It doesn't happen like that. There's, a, there's knowledge that's, that's in play there. That happens. It said, um, so no, we can't, serve, we can't serve other gods unknowingly either that we have to know that we're doing these things. But that's the, that's the intent of this. That was the whole point of this conversation. Now, I hope I, hope I communicated it the way that it needed to be. Um, once again, let me go ahead as a, as a, a closing remarks. Um, I'm not saying that the way you choose to worship God could be wrong. Yes, that was the argument here. The argument here is that when we say that we're worshiping something or someone, then there would entail intent. So now I came up, I wanted to do this whole conversation when I started thinking about, am I truly worshiping other gods when I celebrate Christmas, when I celebrate Easter and so on and so forth? Am I worshiping other gods? Am I truly in idolatry? Am I doing something that God explicitly said that is an abomination and he hates it in the acts that I do? And so in the examples that I gave in scripture, I hope that's enough to show that when we think about this and we think about, think about things um, as it stands, giving of gifts, 
is there something that God hates? When I give in a gift to someone, am I giving gift to the glory of Saturnalia or something else? Like, is that what I'm doing? Because if that's not what I'm doing, then I'm not worshiping those gods. And until it's not idolatry. Now, what makes it, now can gift giving be idolatry? Like, can it be a sin? Yes, it can be. But it all would go back into intent of the heart. What is my intent on giving? Is it for my pride? Is it to be seen? Right? Or is it a mean gift? Is it a mean spirited gift? You know, it's like all these things, but it would go back to the heart. All right. Um, if I ever, if we ever um, take part in a certain holiday and the part of the part of the celebration entails something that God has explicitly said is sin we shouldn't do, then we are not to worship God in that way. And we say as Christians, one thing we should always remember to do is in all things do to the glory of God. In all things we do to the glory of God. All right? Not to the glory of any other gods, not to the glory of ourselves, but to the glory of God. So that's the case I want to throw out um, just to end it. So I hope that this was steer conversations, their questions, and so on and so forth. That is okay and fine. Remember, this world is full of errors, but the only thing that the doctor prescribes is truth. Blessings. Prescribe truth, we giving you what the doctor ordered. Jamal Bandy, apologist, the Lord servant. We undeserving, but Christ changed our mind frame. In a world full of errors, the only thing the doctor prescribes is truth.